Friday's episode of Daily DVR Presents House of the Dragon is brought to you by Cufflinks.com. Head on over to Cufflinks.com and use code DVR20 to save 20% off your order, no minimum. Cufflinks.com has the greatest products for looking good. They have all the geeky stuff. Man, if you want like a Star Wars tie pin, you want some cufflinks that have the Captain America shield, Game of Thrones, all the sports teams, college sports teams. They have everything to add that little touch to make you look great. So look awesome when you step out the door tomorrow. Go to cufflinks.com, use code DVR20 today. Welcome back to Podcast Winterfell. Thank you so much for listening. Find out more about us at dvrpodcast.com. Want to start the show by giving a huge shout out to our presenting sponsor, cufflinks.com. If you love all this sigils and Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon stuff. They have a ton of it over there. So head on over to cufflinks.com. Also want to give a shout out to Manny, our newest patron, longtime listener, all the way back to the lost days, a fellow New York Jets fan. Thank you for becoming a patron, Manny. We look forward to having you part of the crew. Let's start the damn show. We're here to talk about House of the Dragon season one. Episode 7, Driftmark. Of course, I have Gina here with me. How you doing, Gina? I'm doing great today, Axel. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful because we have two amazing guests today. They are double P's. No one. Double B's. <laughs> Professional <laughs> podcasters. <laughs> and they come to us from the Double P Podcast Network. It's Bubbing Catfish. You guys, uh, let's say, let's first, let's say hi to Catfish. Since your name goes second, we're going to give you first billing today. How you doing, pal? Finally, finally, I get first billing. Yep. It's, it's, it's much appreciated. I first, I'm first in your hearts and second in the billing. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk to the man who gets first billing usually, but let's talk to him second. Mm. It's the man himself. Mr. Bubba, how you doing, pal? I am so glad that you guys invited me on to talk about how Team Green is the right team and how Renera and her band here, Alex. Whoa, we lost you there for a second. Hit us again with that one. I am glad to be here to support Team. I'm glad to be here to support <laughs> Team Green. The number one team, not just the Jets, but in Westeros. Nice. We're going to take down Rhaenyra and her evil band of thugs who've been murdering people left and right. And we're going to get this country perfect. Team oh. Green. Allison, you oh, go, girl. Right. <laughs> oh, man. Well, controversy is controversy. No one can speak today is already starting here today. Um, but this was a great episode. I do want to start out, though. Let's just have the conversation to start the show. Get it out of the way. We don't have to spend too much time because this really was a spectacular episode. But everybody's talking about that it was too dark. I have a controversial opinion where on my TV it looked really good. I did have to mess with the settings, though. Um, but I appreciate what they did. Gina, 
you definitely thought it was too dark because in your notes it says, I wish I could see what was happening. <laughs> so, and I, you know, after the long night episode, everyone's like, you can see it if you go switch your settings to this, this, that, and the other thing. So I did, which helped me view that episode better. But those settings did not necessarily work for this show. Like I thought I'd done it. I did go back this morning and I did some tweaking around with things. However, now everyone else for all my other shows looks weird. So I think it's <laughs> just, you know, um, I just think if you're going to produce something of this caliber it should be fit for viewing on a variety of screens without too much tinkering. Um, or you maybe charge people to see it in a movie theater with an epic experience, have another revenue stream and have it perfectly displayed. I don't know. Hmm. Just an idea. Gentlemen, do either of you have a strong opinion on this? Uh, this is horrible. It was just so horrible. <laughs> You know, Bub and I, for anyone who doesn't know, do the podcast right after the episode airs because our philosophy is that's the Joffrey podcast. If we're not going to be best and we're definitely not going to be best, we should at least be first. I had to delay this podcast because I moved from one TV to another. I had just got a new TV about two months ago, and I spent about 20 minutes adjusting all the settings to it. All right. Everything else I watch is fine. But 20 minutes into this episode, after I couldn't tell if 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 Aegon, who apparently was sitting there drunk, I thought maybe he was <laughs> getting serviced by a barmaid. And then when I saw his younger brother around, I was like, wait, did he just get serviced by his younger brother? <laughs> I mean, I am not joking. So I moved to another TV and I'm like, no, this is still impossible to watch. Okay, so I am a Gina. Like, if you, if you want some artsy kind of experience, then do it artsy. But otherwise, this is television, okay? You know, when it's dusk, it should not be musk. That's that's my <laughs> philosophy. And it was musky. So I'm glad you let me rant about that. I thought we had learned the lesson already. This happened once already. So when it happens once and you know the outrage and then you the same director again does it, then you know that this is preposterous and artsy and snooty. That's okay. I'm done. Okay. And snooty. I like it's, it. It's snooty. You're like, oh, oh, well, you should adjust your television settings for our television show. I want to jump in on this and say catfish here is correct. We record our podcast the second the episode ends. I didn't have any trouble. It looked perfectly fine on my TV. I didn't have to adjust anything. Catfish came in and he's like, oh, it's too dark. It's too dark. And I thought, here come those senior moments that we occasionally get with him. But it turns out other people had the same problem of it being too dark. So I was so glad when other people reported it. I can't speak to I can't speak to the issue, but even people who complained about the brightness or lack thereof of the episode talked about how great it was. Yes, it overcame definitely. the discussion where great point. certain things on the uh, previous show Game of Thrones with the long night, the yeah. the inability for some viewers to see it couldn't wasn't overcome by what 
viewers thought was the greatness of it. So very interesting. I feel bad that everybody didn't see it correctly, but I didn't have a problem. And it was kind of new to me while we were recording our podcast. Hmm. Well, I have to say that even though I may be in the camp of adjust your settings to get this looking good, I do understand what you said, Gina, and trying to reach everyone on multiple devices. And in the end, I really think that's the problem, is that these new TVs have a million different HDR, Dolby Vision settings and all this kind of stuff and it's like everything looks like a video game i go over one person's house they have the hdr on everything looks like 3d and they think it looks really great i think it looks awful you know i mean i just i can't tell anymore special effects some people think it looks good some people think this look i don't know i just think generally you said the most important thing bubba which is that if you even if you had to kind of guess or not really see what was happening the the way the dialogue was written the everything worked well for me as a cinematography guy a former cameraman i kind of get up for this kind of stuff you know what i mean like i immediately i was like oh i said to my wife oh my god this day for night looks amazing and wow i'm like getting all geeky into it but that's not everybody you know so i can understand where people are coming from uh, the funniest thing to me is that it looked the best on my old 1080p, like it's like a 13, 14 year old TV, the first HD TV I ever got. And it looked best on that because it has really nice blacks and deepness. And uh, so I don't know. I don't, I, sometimes I think the newer 4k, 8k, whatever K TVs, they just look like video game. Everything looks like a video game. And, uh, I can understand why people were upset, but I think the most important thing is that we still know that there was incest on the beach. And that's one of the most important things that you can have in this show is a a, a heap load of incest. Mm -hmm. I know everybody loves it as much as I do. Gene, I can see you smiling. (laughs) It didn't even matter that they were late. We're related at this point. These two have had a bad for each other for like, 10 years of this show and i was just finally glad it, they were finally coming together yeah. if only i could have seen it better yeah, yeah i'm i'm with her axel video or it doesn't count <laughs> and i didn't see it all right well let's let's uh let's let's dive into what we really did like cuz that's going to be a controversy either way but um like bubba said and we were talking about this show still was a great episode a lot of stuff was going on. We start right out with this funeral, which was pretty cool. I never heard of this. At first, I saw it, it said Merlin King, but I guess George kind of stole the name. It, is anyone who do the, what is is a Merlin? Because wait, Bubba, you've read the books because I forgot to ask you too. I, I I usually remember, but catfish you have, have you read anything or what's your guys take on your, uh, your book status? Well, uh, the, for this show, Bubba's read the books and I haven't. So mm-hmm. basically I have an excuse for my ignorance this time. Use a lot of the books I'd read and just forgot everything. So at least I have an excuse <laughs> this time. Okay, cool. So, Bubba, 
What's the yeah. Merling King or Gina? Do you know? Have you, is this a new thing or? I, you know, I really don't remember the Merlin King. Um, I, I meant to reread this before we started recording and had trouble with my digital version. So I'm not as up to refreshed as I'd like to be, but I don't remember anything about the Merlin King. I believe what the, you know, kind of metatextual idea of this is that with the Iron Islanders from the original series, the Greyjoys and that such, is he gave them the drowned god. And he didn't want the Valerians to have a different religion, but still connect them to the sea. So he gave them a unique burial system. And so it doesn't really play much into fire and blood, their belief or their uh, ceremony with the Merlin King. But it is just another way to reinforce this is a family which is all about the sea, all about sailing, all about boats. And the shot of that casket going underwater yeah. and then kind of joining a bunch of other caskets. That was a beautiful shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The whole thing was. was really, and we pick up on a lot of things. We see that Otto is back. What, uh, uh what do you think, Gina? That was, uh, I was like, up oh, there he is. And he's going to be the biggest shit stirrer of them all. We've had it prophesied in fact, and I'm sure we'll talk about that at some point. Yeah. Gina, can I ask you, <laughs> Because for people who want to slander the Greens, I don't get it. What has Otto done on this show? Let's let's review. He, why does Rhaenyra claim she has the crown? Because Otto talked her father into naming her the heir. Did he not? Yes, he did. What is Rhaenyra seem to have a big problem with right now? Well, Kristen Cole, what did Otto tell her? He told her, don't pick that guy to be on the King's <clears throat> Garden. She didn't listen to him. I am flat out sick. Of this auto slander. He got fired for telling the truth, did he not? And the fact that he got his job back, thank goodness for this positive economy from the Greens. I'm glad Otto's back, mainly because Allison does need some support. She is building up these players. She's building up Laris. She's got her Kristen, but her number one supporter has always been her father. He's back. Let's roll. Not to mention her number one pimp. That's Thank true. you. Uh, That's you know true. he pimped her out. He pimped her out to the king. Just a very, very nice. And uh, you know, always reasonable though when you pimp your daughter out. You want her to wear one of her mother's best dresses, just, just to, just to make the whole thing just mm. more queasy. Did Otto mm-hmm. ever tell the king, "Marry my daughter"? Did he ever say that? Did Otto ever say, choose my daughter? Yes or no? The silence listeners of this podcast is because everybody knows the answer is no. Otto didn't say that. Otto has played the long, long game, okay? He told told the king to pick his daughter because he knew that his daughter would be a controversial choice. So he's got a weak weak air and then he slides his daughter right in there and tells her and then she just starts to have her p- pumping babies out he's back catfish are I you don't know reading a book people... which none of us have seen none of that's on the show I, we do, also none of it on the show is all the nice things that he's done and that you claim that he is that he's done wait so you to say that he told Rhaenyra to get Kristen Cole on the king's guard is that what you're saying you're saying that he didn't Tell the king, name Rhaenyra your heir. You get no, upset I'm that saying, I'm pointing out facts 
I know I'm pointing out facts as well. These are what? facts. You're not. He never told the king, marry my daughter. He never said it once in the room when he was there with the maester. And the, and the king was saying, oh, what should I do with my daughter? What should I do with my, my daughter? As who she, or sorry, what should so I do? Who should I marry? Should I marry this Valerian? He was silent. Do so you you're saying Otto, Otto never told his daughter uh, to start agitating against Renera. It's said, not that he told her directly. He insinuated that if she didn't start fighting back, Renera was going to kill her children, which I don't think would have ever happened. He's planting seeds of doubt in her mind. Mm-hmm. And Kristen Cole, I mean, yeah, it didn't work out for Renera, but now he's, yeah, okay. you know, backing Allison. So it, you know, Otto was wrong and saying don't pick Kristen Cole because he's going to be an asset to the Greens now. I will say in Bubba's defense and Otto's oh, defense, no, he did have go. to be pushed to call for his grandson to be the successor. Remember where he was brought aside? I think it was what it was three episodes ago. Mm-hmm. And someone said to him, you've got to push for this. This is the only right thing to do. And he kind of just stood there. So I don't know. Right. I think and he, he did not. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt, Axel. Even in that episode, he never once said to the king, you know what? You now have a son. Name him your rightful heir. He would say things and hint things and kind of give reasons why it might be a good idea. Like, oh, the white stag showed up here on your son's name day. Isn't that a sign? But he never once came out and said it. And Look, so I never said what, that. Why, why is that wrong? Smart and Otto doesn't know right. the right way to influence things. And so you're saying Otto is smart and knows the right way to influence things. Thank yeah. you, Kevin. Yeah. He's like, if Tywin and Littlefinger had a baby, you'd get Otto. And we'll probably won't see that scene because it'll be too dark. Thanks a guy. Thanks a lot, Miguel. <laughs> <laughs> Under a ship. Um, well, he's back. And really, I mean, we're talking a lot about him. We don't get too much of him. I think really the most substantial scene maybe is when he says to Allison, I'm proud, I'm happy, you know, at the end that you're standing up for yourself. Now you, you see that the fight is on and I'm not so sure, Gina, I have to say, I'm not so, so sure that I agree that telling her that Renero would take out her kids to protect her own kids was so off base. I still don't know that that was. Su- I mean, now we see her and we can see what kind of a mother, and she does seem to be the one who was trying to kind of bring things together and protect her kids more. But I don't know. In this Game of Thrones, you're pushed to do things. And I don't know that he was that wrong. In well, who was ready that. to take a knife to one of the kids? Well, that's of the adults. It's been a hard ten years. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> sleeping with uh, sleeping with the, the the king is not is is not <laughs> something you'd wish on anyone at this point in time. No, not as, especially since you have to avoid so many rotting areas yes, on his I body. Know. Oh my god! I don't even yeah, want to know. It's a bit much. So hot. It's a bit much. <laughs> but uh, let's talk more about the funeral. The one thing I didn't sure I wasn't sure I got even on my rewatch 
was why Damon starts chuckling. Is he chuckling because he's thinking of Renera's kids? When when uh, the guy when the uncle says we're true of heart, we're always true or something, and then Damon well, starts laughing a little bit, or is he just like, losing it? He says their blood is thick, thick yeah. and something, and I think he's just. I don't know. He's Damon. There's no real reason yeah. for his quirks He's and his his, his little giggle, which was weird and yet oddly appropriate for him. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, definitely. And you can yeah. see right away that Renera is is very happy to see Unky, Hunky Unky. What are uh, what? How do you guys feel about uh, about Damon? Are you are you are you guys fans of his? Or I guess that Bubba isn't. But how about you, Catfish? Are you a fan of Damon? Well, uh, you know, after we saw the premiere episode, we I thought we were going to be Team Damon all the way. You know, he seemed to be kind of a, a rascal, <laughs> uh, but since then. He's both been uh, kind of more of a rascal than we thought, uh, you know, uh, bumping his wife off and less of a rascal. He has been since that first episode, it seemed like he was going to be kind of a prime mover and everything. And now it seems like he's been stuck in mud for six mm. episodes. I mean, I part of the problem much. is people all have felt a little stuck in mud because we're. You know, there's a three year gap, there's a six month gap or whatever, and. They can't really have anything exciting happen during that time. But since he was more active in the first episode, it seems since then he's kind of going along, even even going along with Rhaenyra. It doesn't seem like this is something that he's that he sort of initiates, that he has a plan. I thought he was going to be a contender for mm -hmm. the crown and he seems just kind of lost in life. And that's kind of the reason why I thought his laugh at the funeral was just sort of a, you know, life is crazy. This is just crazy. Everything that's happened here. Yeah. Just kind of be kind of like taking himself out of it. Right. Like, look at all this shit. I, I, yeah. I, I like what you say. That's actually a good point because even the, the wedding at the end is not his idea. And also the deception that takes place seems to have and probably could have only been Renera's idea, right? To get Lenore to agree to it and, and have all that work out the way it worked out, pretending that he's dead and all that. Mm -hmm. So he is kind of, you're right. That's a great point. He like his, well, we kind of said like his brother, he just doesn't have that same gusto you know Renera really does seem to be the one in the family that you know takes the dragon by the horns so to speak and gets it done what did you think about that uh Bubba you you think that do you agree with this uh these thoughts about Damon it's once again I'm going to go above maybe what's on the page and what's on the screen it feels like the character almost exists to always zag when everyone else is zigging. So if it's a funeral, of course he would laugh, right? If there's a big fight happening in the, uh, uh, you know, uh, in front of the uh, Driftwood throne there later in the episode when there's a big fight, of course he should be leaning against the door. 
if there's not a big fight, suddenly he would probably be fighting. So that's the way I see his character. I think he, I think that because they're the big time jumps, it almost allows the viewer to excuse, okay, he killed his wife, but that was like 12 years ago. Or, okay, he insulted Rhaenyra's mother and dead brother when he made the air for day crack. Yeah. And yet, oh, that's all in the past. Love overcomes these really kind of disgusting things Damon has done. So, you know, if you want to be on Team Rhaenyra, you just, you know, be a wishy-washy character stuck in the mud. Thank you, Catherine. <laughs> but... But is he wishy-washy? Because at least he does and says what he means, whereas Otto is, and some others are like, you know, Sir Laris and whatever, kind of Lord Lord Laris now, you know, moving yeah, kind of under. Type, give him his due. Yes. Lord Laris. <laughs> They're kind of, you know, slithering around unbeknownst with their own plans and not being forthright with them. Damon's always been pretty forthright in terms of, what he says, what he wanted, what he does. I do think that since he was kind of initially banished for supposedly taking Renera's virtue, um, mm -hmm. that that kind of, you know, quelled down his fires a little bit. And I'm curious to see now that these two are reunited, because I do think they kind of will fuel and feed each other. Cause even Renera has been pretty, she might be still making decisions, but she knows she's going to be queen someday or so she's been told, but she's also softened a lot. You know, she, she's had kids. We've seen her much trying to be diplomatic and in, you know, offering a, a betrothal to Alicent and, and an egg and everything else. So I'm more curious to see how these two characters evolve now that they're married to each other, because it felt like when they finally came together and even the wedding, the blood wedding, which no one was actually killed at amazingly. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they maybe support and fuel each other for greater means. That's kind of what I'm hoping and waiting for. Yeah, no, definitely. Cause we haven't seen it, right? Like it has been right. such like a little weird dance and, you know, and I mean, I think the incest thing, I make a joke of it, but in the context of the show itself too, I think it, and for the audience, I think it does, it presents a roadblock to us kind of accepting them at first, but I think now they're married. Maybe you move past that. And one interesting thing I found is such a big deal was made previously of her having maybe kissed him. Right. And, and daddy got so upset, but in this case, now that she's older and she's like, and, and the stakes are becoming so high, she's making her own decision, right? She doesn't, there's no scene with, before they get married with, uh, with, uh, Viserys telling them not to do it, or they didn't ask permission of him or anything. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that's actually kind of an important part that that just happens. Like, and we see it's just them and kind of the kids that are there. It's a, it's like a, it's a kind of a shotgun wedding, I guess. No, no shotgun is when the woman's pregnant, right? Isn't that what they say? Yeah, like saying, uh, right. But I guess it's what, a dragon fire wedding. It's a dragon fire wedding. Um, 
But, I also think it's interesting. Allison at one point accused her. You Targaryens do have strange customs when mm-hmm. it was her and her uncle. And yet she goes ahead and betroths her, her, her daughter and yes. her son to each other. I'm like, wow, we've really changed, huh? You, you've really latched onto the bizarre Targaryen customs. Yeah. Kind of I mean, I do have sympathy for Alicent. She's kind of all by herself. Uh, she's and got in over her head. An sure. old husband. Yeah. Uh, she's got, um, her father, who's just a horrible, uh, scheming human being. So she really has no good role models. Uh, you know, the, the best person on her, her side is a, as, uh, our listeners have described multiple times, uh, as an incel, Kristen Cole. Yes. So yeah. she's really, um, Good point. I feel bad for her because she is alone. And Rhaenyra made a horrible mistake. When Allison asked her, did you do this horrible thing? All Rhaenyra had to say was, I did not lose my virtue to Damon. That's it. That's it. She didn't have to say I didn't. uh, My virtue is intact. She just had to say I didn't lose it to Damon. But can can I ask a question of Gina? And admittedly, we're going back episodes Catfish rather than talk about Driftmark. Thank you very much. But Gina, when you and your BFF are super tight and they ask you something, would you have lied like Rhaenyra did? Do you lie to a BFF? I would say that at that that point in their relationship, they were not BFFs. Yeah. If it had been. That's fair. The first episode we saw with them, Mm -hmm. which actually I got some lady love vibes from, Mm -hmm. I would say, I would say, yes, that would be wrong if she lied to her because they were both like, ooh, Sir Kristen Cole, look at him. What a hottie, Mm -hmm. you know, in the, in the uh, joust. But at the point where she did not tell the truth, I don't think they were close enough for it to... Mm-hmm. have it be too much of her business yeah. do you know what i mean i mean allison was the first betrayer oh yeah by the way i've been checking in on your dad every night for six months and now we're getting married you know i don't want to litigate the past but counselor oh, like let me bring like out these do. briefs <laughs> sounds like you do <laughs> let me bring out these briefs she is a princess allison wasn't they may have been BFFs, but they were never on equal status, correct? Right. And exactly. It was, so it was she didn't Rhaenyra. Have to explain anything to her. It was Rhaenyra who really got upset that her BFF was going to suddenly be on her level. That's not cool. No, that's not what it was about. It was about Look, that it was. Let's hidden. talk about this episode and not. Oh, okay. okay. Now wrong. Let's talk about this episode. <laughs> I would have to chime in here to say that they are let's both hear. caught up in the circumstances of their birth and their station and there's and just, their fathers and their fathers. Yeah. Yeah. There's just really, I don't know what other way, maybe they could have sat down and been honest to each other from the very beginning, but I like the way that they kind of showed it. We, we point to Renera, but they've each had their times when one has offered a hand and, and they haven't taken it. So it kind of goes back and forth. And I think that's why this show is so brilliantly written. This episode especially had a lot of great dialogue, man, mm. just beautiful stuff because it shows the way that they're just all caught up in this. And you could 
really have sympathy for one or the other. Now it's getting a little bit harder when you're trying to cut kids' eyes out. And, you know, like, you know, as each action makes the wounds deeper, it gets harder and you want to pick a side, right? And that's, that's kind of where they're pushing you. Um, right, so Axel, do you, that's a great, that's a great question that I have. Did you guys pick a side? I'm just com- com- commandeering this. Did you guys feel that you were pushed into picking a side on this episode? Uh, yeah, I think that Renera comes out. I think Renera, uh, the Damon thing kind of throws it off a little bit, but I think that for me, I don't know that they're really pushing you, but I think the way that Alicent reacted was a bit more bloodthirsty than I guess we've seen Renera, and especially when you end with the deception of her husband dying but he doesn't really they've actually work again come to like an awesome agreement between each other which shows great maturity to overcome what's going on and move past it so i kind of feel like they are pushing you towards renera i think she's kind of our the hero i just want to say that in season three of game of thrones there is the spoiler of all spoilers about this story we're watching now, House of the Dragon. And I think I saw that episode after maybe, because I was doing a GOT rewatch when this started. And I think I saw that episode. We're not going to say it though, right, Gina? No, maybe two or three (laughs) episodes into this. And I was like, well, screw that. And I was immediately team Renera. That's all I'm going to say. However, I love... And hopefully we're going to get to this next, but I'm going to call, and I've heard someone else call it this too, the big dick energy of Amon getting on the dragon. Like that was epic. He is, he's the kid. I mean, his older brother is just a doofus, um, a drunk doofus, but little Amon kind of crazy, but that dragon he was just like strutted back in. Yeah, I am the man. I just, I'm like, yeah, you are kid. And yeah, I thought that was, it was just amazing. Oh, Gina, I, I want to piggyback on this because the thing about those kids that I honestly don't think house of the dragon did great in its early episodes is the economy with which it painted those kids and got us to know. Them. Yes. Those kids great have point. only been in two episodes and they've been in very short scenes in both episodes. But this episode, the second episode they've been in, they've done enough to they've given the audience enough to where we can begin to think, oh, I understand this kid. I understand this kid. I, I get them. Maybe that isn't true with Damon's daughters, to be completely honest. Right. But yeah. with with the boys, I think they've painted enough to where we understand. Them. And they did that so economically is very impressive of this show to do. And it made Damon's claiming of the dragon and the fight incredibly effective. And I just want to give a tip of my cap to the show to introduce so many new characters in just a short amount of time, have us care about their actions. Great job. Yeah, I agree. I love the kids. I think that they're all just, you're just, they're magnetic. You're just like kind of drawn to each of them and you can immediately feel them. You're right. They're, they're, kind of stereotypical in the sense that they lay them out very plainly right 
but they have a depth to them too with the little sides. Even, you know, when you see um, Renera's kid says to her, you know, we have, my dad's dead too. I have a right to be upset, you know, like just a little uh-huh. line like that, the way, Hey, they mentioned that last episode. She told him, don't talk about that anymore. But he's like, no, that's my dad. I'm going to keep talking about it. <laughs> you know, like he won't shut up about it. And I think that's just an interesting little character trait and how the other kid doesn't want to be inherit drift mark. Cause it means everybody's dead. He has a kind of deeper sense to things he's not so visceral as his brother and then it comes out in the kid fight which my god this met did did anyone here see that movie the black phone with ethan yes Hawk? i have yes. not seen that okay yet, no. so catfish is that have does that movie not have more kid violent kid fights than any other movie that you've ever seen in your life like there's so many and this reminded me of that and i have a 10 year old son and i'm who's huge and I'm always deathly afraid he's going to accidentally pop some kid's teeth out just by like walking past them that getting into a fight like this fight really like I, I I don't really really cover my eyes a lot or like cringe back, but that kid fight, those kids and that the blocking everything that was some really great work by those kids. Are you saying that your kid is like Amon, that four kids could attack him and he would still win? He's uh, twice as big as Amon. Well, Amon. That is kind of actually the game he plays with friends. They all just jump on top of him and he becomes like a Hulk and pushes them all off. That is amazing. Yes, he's a rather large child. Um, And so was I when I was a kid. But yeah, the kid fight was, the kids are just great. I love all the kids. Well, I mean, don't he, get yeah, too even, attached. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I mean, I even the surfer bro Aegon was good in this one in the scene because when when finally the uh, the eye of everyone turns on him instead of him fingering his mom, he's just like, bro, just take a look at him. <laughs> I mean, none of us are blind, right? I know. Am I crazy? Here? I love that. Guy. I mean, oh man. I wish we could get a spinoff series just with him, like walking around, <laughs> hanging out, you know, like this, uh, hitting on. Chicks. I don't know. Some of his hanging out yeah. is inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an inappropriate world we have. Um, but yeah, good morning, Westeros. <laughs> West Side. Uh, well, you were the one who said the one kid was going to finger his mom. I mean, I know there's incest, <laughs> but come on, Kevin. Yeah, <laughs> Holy cow. Um, but yes, the dragon part was great. And my gosh, didn't weren't you all afraid that that dragon was going to eat that kid? I just, I really thought that kid was going to get eaten up. <laughs> I was, they really had me going. And the way, too, they foreshadowed it in the previous episode when he sneaks down to see what's going on, right? And he sees the big dragon. So I thought that that was awesome. I was more afraid he was going to fall off the dragon. That oh, one yes. shot where he's like yes. hanging on to the, the, uh, heart, the, the saddle, and he's just like, he sees legs behind him. He's like, ah. Yeah. Well, good. that's uh, that's Valor's test, right? I mean, essentially, he's like, "All right, you're you're brassy enough to come up to me. Let's see if you're tough enough uh, to ride me." Yeah. yeah, give you a shot, kid. I was hoping he would throw him off, but that was just me. <laughs> Ooh, mm, I was rooting for the kid. I like <clears throat> him. He's weird. 
Speaking I wonder if he's going to take his. Oh, I was <laughs> going to say, I wonder if he's going to take his dragon home and um and uh, feed uh, Sir Pink the the oh, dread yeah. to. Uh, oh, to yeah. the, don't know the pink dread. Yeah, yes. that's good. If they had time, they would do it. But um, I was going to transition to Gina. You brought up. And this is definitely going around. And our good friend, Double M, Matt Murdick. Um, and I suggest everyone subscribe to his Before the Dragon podcast because he does great initial reactions. And Gina, you too had in the notes that what's what's the sister's name? H- Helena. Helena. Yes. She has a little bit of a she's been prophetic. She has been. Um, she, she kind of prophesied that Amund would get a dragon, but that he'd have to lose an eye to get one kind of thing in the last episode. That's not exactly how she phrased it, but it's always when she's kind of playing with her bugs. Um, and then this episode, she said, hand turns loom, spool of green, spool of black, dragons of flesh, weaving dragons of thread. And she keeps repeating that hand turns loom. And this is where I kind of thought, well, this is Otto is the hand that is back and he's turning Mm, the loom. And we see this with Allison at the end too. He's like, I'm glad you're finally this way. He's putting the, the wheels in motion. And I, imagine the spool of greens full of black as a prophecy that there's going to be the greens are going to have their own banners because you might need your own banners when you, you know, go to war. Yeah, that was cool. So she has that kind of that sight. Yeah. And maybe she's, I don't know if it's just a foresight or if she's got dream capabilities as well. Like, um, um, well, Viserys. that's what Viserys wants. Yeah. Viserys wants dreamers. He wants dreamers mm-hmm. more than warriors. Yeah. And so yeah. you would think he would have a connection. Once again, Helena is his daughter. Yes, I was going to say that. Seem, Thank you. He seems to be an absent father yep. Yep. to his kids with Allison. Very absent. I agree. He, 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 well, he, yeah. Varys had his spiders. She has hers. Maybe that's where she gets her info from. Oh, there you go. I like it. I know. That's very good. Nice one. All right. Let's end the podcast on that. Uh, <laughs> we're out. Costanza style. Um, yeah, that was interesting because there were some people who I guess after the last episode were thinking that she was supposed to represent like an autistic child or something of that nature. And That's then what I, the, yeah, the yeah, internet, that was yes. all over the internet yep. for like the past five years. And I'm like, I never got that from reading the book. Yeah. I mean, Hey, if Honestly. people want to see something in a story, that's good for them that they see something. But I think that it's really more that she is a dreamer and she has these prophets. She's in that world of the prophecies, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe more so than she is in this world. And I wonder if she'll become a tool or a weapon in some way used by her side. You know, I don't know if we see how things progress in the coming episodes. That's what it made me think. Cause mm-hmm. if we're picking up on that, right. Then someone else is going to pick up on that too, that she's not just spurting a bunch of gobbledygook. She's actually prophesizing. This is a magical world after all. I would hope her father would recognize it once yeah. again, because he's the one who wants the dreamer, but it's either because of his health or because 
he really still isn't over Emma, his first wife. It just doesn't feel like Viserys is there as a as a dad to these three kids. Yes. Well, well oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, and I think Helena's ability to prophesize as well. The only other person that really knows about the dreaming capabilities is Renera, because they, you know, he's shared the prophecy with her on the um, the uh, Valerian steel dagger. And she, I mean, Helena could be valuable potentially to, if the Greens don't recognize the value in her, right, Renera might. Yeah, that's true. I guess we shall see. If anyone recognizes what she's actually saying and doing, that might be like the saddest thing of this whole thing. It's all, this girl knows everything that's going to happen and no one's going to pay attention. And that's very possible as well and meaningful too. Uh, We we talked about the fight. Did anyone have anything to say about the uh, sharks versus the jets underneath the the dragon pit? No one stayed cool though, boy. Um, I I was going to try to get an Officer Crumpkey thing in there, but I couldn't think of it. Oh man, I love Officer (laughs) Crumpkey. That's the song I sang. Ah, Crump you! Um, but, uh, anyone have anything to say about that, that fight there? It was, it really was awesome. This was Just a great amazing. fight. Yeah. But great I mean, fight. not, not, I mean, the fight was great in and of itself, but the scene it led to was, I think the best scene of this series so far and, and, and a top scene in the Game of Thrones universe. I mean, just everybody there, the dialogue was amazing. People going too far and it was just thrilling. It was a thrilling scene. The scene opens with a reinforcement of how weak Viserys is as a king. He is confronting his Kingsguard as he should. You guys are supposed to be protecting my line my heirs, all these kids, and nobody was there. Mm. And rather than them all just, you know, shutting up, yes, sir, yes, sir, Kristen Cole feels it's okay to talk back. Well, sir, we've never had to defend princes from princes before. You wouldn't do that if Viserys was a stronger king. And that is a great kind of insight into how everybody treats him. Not, not, forget his family, his, his, his employees, the Kingsguard treat him that way. Kristen Cole doesn't have a lot of room to talk considering he was trying to foster that um, behavior in the, uh, Great in the yard, Gina. the training yard. I mean, come on. Right. That dude, right. I don't but think is he's that an not, Enzo, that, but he's but, a little, he's a little bit. <laughs> but earlier in the episode, the eldest Kingsguard, whose name I can't remember because I never read the books. That's the only reason I don't know. Old guy. Corrects the king. When in in a really dickish way, when the king says, I'm going to bed, Emma, and that guy goes, do you want me to take Queen Alicent with you? It's yeah. a real like, well, that public correct point. And you know that's what? a great point, Heath. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, sorry. A great point. Um, that was catfish. Good, I'm going to bed. That so. was quick. Um, but Bubba, I wanted to say, I really like what you said about um, how 
tense everything was in that scene and how you bring up how it starts with the king being frail. Because I think that's why this scene was tense, right? He was the king. He was supposed to be standing there in front of all these people telling them what the fuck to do. And again and again and again, no one listened to him. (laughs) Everyone was ignoring him. Ignoring him. They were all talking back. They were all just shoot. And then his wife is going against, you know, when she tells Cole, grab that dagger and take his eye right now, you know, like she's challenging him. So it just exposed all the cracks in this uh, kingdom here. And I thought you're 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 right, Catfish. This was one of the best scenes. And I love too the way they shot it where they would pull back and show everyone. And when they pulled back and showed everyone, I felt an embarrassment for the king. That didn't make me feel like, oh, look at all these people here. It made me feel like, oh, wow, everyone's witnessing this. This is really embarrassing shit. This is like a, like a bust up at a wedding. You know, this is just really like low Great grade. Point. Great point. There were so many bystanders in that room yeah. who were just, you would assume, servants. And well. Yep. And then that was so, and it just shows the way, though, that all the secrets that they were talking about, everyone did know. And mm-hmm. in the end, the kid was right. Like, come on. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, look at him. Look at him, Dad. What are you talking about? You know? Um, and the look on his face when that happened was really kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. Great acting on his part. Patty Constantine, if I can never pronounce his name right, but man, he really, he's given a clinic. Um, That was some fantastic stuff. Well, let's, let's go, let's try to be anti-Viserys and everybody say what would have been the right thing for him to do. Now you can't, as upset as your wife is, and I think she should be, her kid is maimed for life. He lost an eye for life. How does he take control of that? Maybe the first thing to do is separate everybody, you know, instead of like all come together and say your apologies, you know, maybe you get them in separate rooms so they can get their frustrations out, get their, uh, their yelling and anger to calm down a bit. But kind of everything he did was wrong or wasn't received as a king should be received. So I'm almost trying to think, how do you get that straight? And I think However you do get it straight, he, he didn't do it. And I think if my wife wants an eye for an eye, you do have to just order her out of the room. You know, if you have to send your old Harold Westerling, Kingsguard, the main guy, say, hey, escort my wife and my two sons to, you know, the antechamber, wherever. And he didn't do it. He He is so strong for peace, which is something we should all, you know, be proud of him for but no <laughs> but sometimes you do have to make a hard stand and disappoint some people and in that case he disappointed everybody maybe well no he didn't disappoint Renera because he did make that rule about anybody says any rumors about my grandsires you're done you're gonna lose a tongue at the same time that wasn't the first time he'd heard the rumor rumor he's heard mm-hmm. it from his wife several mm-hmm. times i'm sure even more than we've seen and i think what does he do in that situation well it's not even really what he 
should do in that situation. It's probably what he should have done 10 years ago when he married Allison. And I think, you know, you could say, what should he have done? But really the reason he's lost so much respect with his Kingsguard and probably pretty much everyone else is he, he never did what he should have did when it was fixable and it's just not fixable. He just thinks, Oh, everyone should get along, but you know, I'm, I, I don't want to have the tough conversations. And it seemed like the only person maybe that made him have the tough conversations, maybe early in his reign uh, was his wife, Emma, because mm. it mm. seemed like he was very much involved with Renera's upbringing because of Emma and great point even when emma died you know it's like six months later and he's like oh i feel like we haven't really talked since your mother died it's like dude it's been six months like hello okay you know so i think he he missed he missed the boat he missed the rowboat over to the narrow sea some time (laughs) ago um and now he's he's stuck yeah gina gina when you said who's the only person who's made him confront, you know, tough issues and, and, and make hard decisions. I was sure you were going to say Otto way back when Otto (laughs) said, you can't have Damon be your heir. You know, he didn't want that conversation then, but Otto sat him down at the table and said, yeah, I know you're in a bad place. I know your wife just died and you just had a a dragon pyre for your wife, but we got to confront this now. Damon can't be your heir. So thank you for pointing out Otto and Emma, <laughs> the two heroes. Of the but show. that was see, that's what I see the mistake is. This is very such a tragedy, and man, really so well written. I can't say it enough. I'm really enjoying this show so much more than I really thought I would. And I do also just want to say once again that we're on episode six, and we probably saw the most dragons in this episode, but. You think that HBO was going to come in and just start dragon fighting at, oh, is it episode seven? Did I say it wrong? No, it is. Oh, it's episode seven. We're at episode seven, as I said, and you would have thought that they would have just started with the dragon fighting, you know, like CGI fast, dra- but they've been so judicious with it. And it, I really, I love the way they've rolled it out and. It just does. That's why this historical view is so great, because we can see that each step on the ladder, they just keep on making the wrong decision. Right. Like every time they have the opportunity to make the right decision, they just go the wrong way. But what could have he done I for and it, I, I thought that he might have uh, taken away that kid's dragon or something. Right. That is that is a great because it reminded me of the whole Robert thing that happened in Game of Thrones. Right. This is what this reminded me of. It was like a mirror of that situation. And what did they ended up doing? They ended up killing the other dire wolf. Right. Which wasn't actually her. So maybe they would have killed his brothers or something. Right. Dragon. Um, And then that could have had an effect on the war to come. But well, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that has been the problem with the king's reign, though, from the first episode. You see it. He is he is he's a happy time king, not yeah. a wartime king, not a yeah. tough decision making king. He is a he's a there's no problems, king. There's no problems. Right. We're all good. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, all cool. 
and just ignoring. I mean, even from the time when he denied, denied, denied to Allison, no, this is not happening. And then he gets the tea sent to Renera's room. I mean, he. You say what decision could he have made? It feels like he's made as few decisions as possible. I mean, even to the point where some people complain there should be more people in this show. And I think the one place where it seems true is that there appears to be once the hand of his the hand of the king is dead, there's nobody left in the entire kingdom except to bring back uh, Otto, who had previously tried to stab him in the back. Yeah, that's too. That's a good point, too. That starts off with that shows his weakness there. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, a regular king, as soon as if you say you're no longer giving me good advice and you've been close to me in a regular, a regular leader in the Game of Thrones world would be, you know, not only you're fired, but your parting gift is you're also dead. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Here's your own head in your own hands. Yeah. yeah, I dig it. Here's a gold watch to affix around your neck. Definitely. Let me ask you guys, and I'm going to transition from the king to the Valerians. There is, we've heard a couple now discussions between the wife and the husband about how they want to play this. And if the sides are being drawn, and if it's Alicent Renera are the two sides, are the Valerians, how tight are they going to be with Renera? There is the thing they do have, Renera's kids do have the Valerian name. But they're both aware that that is not Corliss's and Rainey's right. blood. And Damon, their son-in-law, just literally got married, what, a, a week after their daughter's funeral? And they could certainly think that Damon killed their son? I mean, what side do you think the Valerians would go to? I feel like they love those little girls of Damon, but... If I were them, I would be really torn between which side I would go to. Well, we've seen already that uh, uh, Corliss has gone on his own when he's needed to. So I would think that they would be mostly wanting to protect the girls, their granddaughters. Mm -hmm. And then, though, if the opportunity where in order to protect them, it meant to not be on their side or be spying or something i think that they would probably play more of that free agent role that's the way i perceive it especially after such a but they also don't forget they think now that their son is dead too so i mean man what tragedy has befall them befell yeah befell them both both befall and befell and befollow befallen yeah, <laughs> I mean, they're going to. So thank you for pointing out that Damon and Rhaenyra just killed some innocent nobody so they could have a body to pose as yeah. Lanors. But There's think about this. This around. innocent, this innocent body <laughs> is going to get that funeral treatment and he's going to be out with the Merlin King caskets for the rest of time. Yeah, that's true. That's just mm, a nice, shame, nice, shameful, shameful Rhaenyra and Damon to kill. Yeah. That innocent Did person. they trick you? How How many people was everyone tricked? I was tricked. I thought I they killed him. I was tricked. And then when I did the rewatch, I was like, oh, yeah, Renera even says something, I think, before 
after her, even before she had her conversation with Lenore, that Valerians escape by sea. And I think she was thinking of this even uh, quite early before. on. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. you know, she's always angling to get near Unk. Hunky oh, man. She, <laughs> See, she wa- she's wanted him all along. Yeah, I know that was a right. bit of a question before. Like, is she just like yep. trying to, you know, get in his face or, you know, egg him on? And I'm like, no, I think she really wants the him. Ladies and- know. Because my wife said the same thing. I was like, nah, I don't know. And she was like, oh, hell no. Yes. I tell now, you, Ms. husband, that is desire. Ms. Catfish will never, never be able to get over uh, the uh, Millie Alcock aged Renera smooching with <laughs> Matt Smith's Damon. That is going to be that is going to taint her view of this relationship for as long as this show exists. Wow. Mm. Sure. Does anybody have like that lifelong crush that Renera's had? I mean, Renera was how old when she was crushing on her uncle in episode one? Yeah, thirteen, fourteen. I wasn't really so- attracted to my uncles, Bubba. No, come on. This is a lifelong this is, crush. This is the truth time here. This oh, is the truth time. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Truth out, Axel. Truth come on. Time. Axel, what is worse than ants in your pants? Uh, <laughs> uncles in your oh, Uncles, uncles in, your pants. in your pants. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, oh no. Man. All right. Well, listen, does anyone have anything else that they want to chat about? We pretty much covered everything in the episode, I think. Anyone? Question no? for the non-book okay. readers. Will we see Lenore again? Yes or no? What do you think? Do you think he'll come back as a twist of, hey, dad, I'm still alive? What do you think? Um, I think we got to. Yeah. Why not? They love doing that in this show. And they don't have a lot of opportunities because everyone's so close together. So if you're going to do send someone out on who was who was the who was who was rowing? I forget that dude's Gendry. Name. Gendry, no, right? Was, this is like Gendry oh, style. Yeah. This is the new That's Gendry. what I was going to say. He's going to show back up in a rowboat yeah. in season five. Exactly. He's got to well, come back. My big question is what happens to his dragon when he's AWOL? Like, is I that think it dragon... follows him. Well, and that's kind yeah, of what I was thinking. A good point. And if his dragon follows him, he, he might come back on his dragon at a very opportunistic ah, moment. Okay. That is like really hard point, to be incognito. When everywhere you go, there's a dragon. <laughs> dragon. We should have done that shot. Wouldn't it have been hey, funny you know if the episode had no, ended? I have no idea. Wouldn't that be funny if the episode ended like that, where like they're rowing and then all of a sudden, you know, his boyfriend looks up and he goes, dude, it's giving us away. And he looks <laughs> yeah. up and the dragon's like biting and making all this noise and everything. That would have been pretty hilarious. I miss our son so much. Oh. Look, even his dragon is lonely. It's circling that robo there. <laughs> yes, why is it? Oh, Lord. All righty. Anything else, anyone? No? Okay. I think in I these think final so. three episodes, we're really going to get everybody on this podcast on Team Green as we set the record straight. All right. Well, I'm not going to take sides. I'm just going to keep on watching from the sidelines and seeing what happens. But thank you, Bubba and Catfish, the Joffrey of Podcasts, DoublePmedia.com. I'll put links in the show notes. They cover so many awesome shows, not just House of the Dragon. I think you guys are doing like, are you doing Andor right now, right? 
We're doing Andor. Can yep. you believe it? Two podcasts a week. What are we, professional podcasters? I know. No, we don't have. We don't have. There, we have no pieces of clothing sponsoring our podcast. <laughs> right. I have not. I have not had a meal delivered to my house by mail in forever. I'm not a podcaster. Oh no. All right. And in 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 a week from this coming up Sunday, we're going to be covering a murder mystery called Magpie Murders, premiering on PBS. Your grandparents' station here oh, in the United States. Wow, you guys are classy. Oh yes, you're very classy, man. That's a full of class. Whoa, <laughs> let's not rush it. <laughs> All right, Gina, thank you so much once again. Always a pleasure. Thanks everyone for listening. DVRpodcast.com. That's all we got. Peace out. Enjoy your incest, people. (laughs) (laughs) What? Incest Uh is best. Put your uncle to the test.